Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. Okay, so... So the title of this talk is, uh, Who Are You Anyway? Attachment to Identity. And it uh, came to mind to talk about this topic, which is a central topic in Dharma practice. Um, after having a conversation with uh, uh, a really um, good human being who I've known for some time, um, who I check in with from time to time, um, named Rob, who... um, I've known for for some time, as I say, he um, he helped start a community uh, or a, a very thriving um, Dharma community in Southern California a number of years ago. Longtime practitioner, um, it's been a psychologist and. Uh, trained and mentored uh, other people who have uh, gone on to make a real contribution in the world of um, psychology and Dharma. He um, was a runner and ran in uh, marathons and half marathons. And in the last few years, um, his body has gone through some uh, really uh, difficult changes, and his mind has too. Um, And he is sharing this process with me, his process with me, uh, of his body really breaking down in, in... Tremendous pain, a number of uh, surgeries, uh, spinal surgeries and other kind of surgeries and um, conditions. And um, his condition also affects his brain. And he used to be an extremely organized person. And he showed me the other day as we, we did a Skype call together. He said, hey, take a look at my, my office these days. And there's, you know piles everywhere. He said, you know, this was not me. But um, he's using it all as practice. One thing that's happened is the the fruits of his practice um, have really uh, carried him. So, although at times it can be very frustrating and he can 
have all kinds of reactions and emotions and anger and feeling unfair and all of that. Mostly, he is holding it as, uh, as his practice. Okay, this is the circumstance that I'm in now. He sees the, all the things that he's grateful for. He's got a, a really uh, loving relationship um, good friends, good Dharma friends, uh, and his his practice holds him. So I was um, quite inspired. You know, sometimes when you're with somebody who's going through a hard time, it can be, you don't know if you'll be up for it or if it'll be draining or if, it, you know, you'll just kind of like... Um, um, feel like the 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 heart is open so much and and so it requires a lot of equanimity. But I got off the phone and we were laughing uh, through a lot of our time together. Not always, but but a fair amount. And I just was so inspired and moved. Um, and I asked him. I said, "Hey, is it okay if I?" talk a bit uh, about about this uh, with others? And he said, oh, absolutely. If it can be of service to anyone, then, then by all means. So, um, so I am. And what we talked about was about the letting go of who he used to be and how he's known himself and how others have related to him with tremendous respect and um, uh, appreciation for all that he has has given in his life and uh, relating to him in a different way, still with a lot of love. Uh, But what a journey it is for him to be in this process of letting go of who he used to be and uh, how he thought of himself. And uh, another example of this um, that I I use in my book is uh, Ramdas, who, uh, as I've mentioned many times, is a, a teacher, mentor of mine, um, just saw him on Skype on, on uh, Sunday at Spirit Rock. There was a, a um, memorial for Stephen Levine who passed away uh, this past year. And Ramdas and Stephen were very close. And so Ramdas was um, uh, with the whole community via Skype. Uh, and uh, as... You probably know, if you're familiar, Ramdas, who had this gift of incredible communication, mesmerizing rooms, who after his stroke, now almost 20 years ago, um, lost the facility to communicate in the way he used to, and speaks now, but uh, haltingly, but he shines more and more... uh, his his loving awareness shines through 
more and more and more. But it took him a while to adjust to the change after his stroke. And this is what he writes, uh, I quote in, in his book, Still Here. He wrote the book, Be Here Now. Changed a generation. How many people read Be Here Now? Okay. Book that changed my life. And this is in his book, Still Here, where he wrote in the last oh, 10 years ago about or so about um, working with illness and, uh, and aging and dying. And he says about his new version of himself and uh, the frustration that arose in, as part of that transformation. He says, I used to say I'm a golfer and a sports car driver. But now, and he used to love to, to uh, ride sports cars fast. Uh, but now I'm someone telling that story. I can't golf or drive anymore. If I cling to that identity, I suffer. The stroke was like a samurai sword cutting apart the two halves of my life. It was a demarcation between two stages. Before I had the stroke, I was full of fears about aging. The stroke took me through one of my deep fears. And here I, I am happy to report that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. The stroke cleaned out some pockets, some of the pockets of fear. It's happened, and here I am. And he says, he's grown closer to God than ever before. What more could I ask? Acknowledging the gift deeply hidden in this suffering. So it's, it's good to know, where's my water? It is. It's good to know that that is possible. And particularly that practice holds some um, potential for working with the heavenly messengers, as they're called, old age, sickness, and death. They're called heavenly messengers uh, because those are the messengers that came to the prince before he set out on his quest, um, sent from the, the heaven realms to wake him up as he saw an old person, an aging person, and a, and a corpse, and realizing there was no way out of the suffering um, that this life presents us. And then the fourth messenger, a, uh, a renunciate, an ascetic, who was finding the deepest meaning in life. And they were the heavenly messengers to awaken and let the prince go on his journey to become the Buddha. So that, that practice does give some um, pointers and tools and, and ways to hold the inevitability of change as it comes. 
Change comes in so many different ways besides old age, sickness, and death. And we uh, hold all kinds of ideas of ourselves, subtly or not so subtly, either that we, the way we think of ourselves internally or the way others see us, um, that, um, that take uh, an adjustment when things change. I was watching, um, uh, Jane and I were watching this uh, Ken Burns documentary uh, that came out this past year on Jackie Robinson. And we just finished the last part uh, last night. And uh, you know, what an inspiring guy. And through the course of his life, it shows him first as a very uh, intense, passionate, proud, dignified, um, committed human being who then had to uh, learn to hold back all of that intensity and passion um, to break the color line and goes through that process where he just found a place of centeredness and stability through the most um, difficult um, scenarios where people uh, just wanted to uh, degrade and denigrate him. And then he became inspiring, uh, an inspiring figure, and a great base- baseball player. He always was passionate. And then when he, uh, when he retired, he became a, a fearless um, champion of civil rights, marching with uh, Martin Luther King. And the war on the uh, march on Washington and a number of other places he'd go down to uh, to the south and uh, go to Alabama with King and wherever there was there was a challenge he would be there very very important when he showed up people just felt that they were they were very blessed but then he um, there was a turn of identity at some point. First, he was uh, for uh, he was a Republican and started out uh, campaigning for Richard Nixon. But then, as the years went on, he saw all that changed, and uh, he campaigned against Richard Nixon. But when um, the whole um, Muslim movement and Malcolm X became uh, prominent and inspiring people in a whole other way and a whole other direction than Martin Luther King. Uh, He was uh, called an Uncle Tom and uh, just had a very, was held in a very different way by the black community who were of the more um, more um, activist and, and militant types, and then he had to he had to see, oh wow, maybe I'm, you know, not revered in the same way. I'm out of step. But he said, I just have to keep on being true to myself. So he would go through all of these different 
ways that people perceived him. But through it all, he had to remain true to himself. And in the end, he was and is revered. And every every, uh, opening day, all the baseball players wear number 42 uh, in honor of the, the courage that he had to just be himself through it all. But it was so interesting to just see all these external circumstances. He was still himself, but was perceived so differently uh, depending upon who and what time it was. And of course, we all know all the celebrities who've fallen from grace. I, I googled a, a little uh, a list uh, falling from grace. Celebrities fell from grace, and there were like you know loads and loads of them. I'll just mention a, a few names: Bill Cosby, O.J. Simpson. Lance Armstrong, Michael Jackson in, in his way, Tiger Woods, Oscar Pistorius, and then on and on and on, and certainly a lot of divas. And um, Isn't it amazing? We so want, we think, fame, fortune, oh, that's going to do it. And... How sad these very famous people, their lives are. Can you imagine that shift in identity from being a star and getting the red carpet treatment everywhere to being um, disgraced? I mean, just imagine, imagine that, what that must be like. Mm. So we all, at some point, um, need to look at this shift of identity because our identities are so often tied up in accomplishments, uh, appearance, another one, mm, reputation, capacities, our talents and our skills. Um, In this world of change, there is no way that you can hold on to whatever identity you are looking for. Other than to simply be yourself through it all. In the uh, the teachings, there's this this teaching, the eight worldly conditions. We've mentioned it here before, and I'm sure you're familiar with these: uh, fame and shame, loss and gain, pleasure and pain, and praise and blame. Those are the eight vicissitudes in life, the eight worldly conditions. And we often set our lives up to go for 
what we think is the good one and to avoid the unpleasant one, but that is an exhausting, futile endeavor. There's no way you're going to avoid loss. No way you're going to avoid pain. Not that you sure wouldn't want to maximize your gain and your and your um, uh, well maximize the good. There's no way you're going to avoid blame in this world. The Buddha says of praise and blame. Even he says. In this world, as people try to discredit him, those who speak much are blamed, those who speak little are blamed, those who remain silent are blamed. In this world, no one escapes blame. And he was talking about himself as well. So, given that, how do you define yourself? Who are you? This is not either a trick question or uh, looking for the right answer. But let me just ask you just to go inside. And when I ask, Hi, who are you? What comes to mind? Suppose you, uh, rather than just saying your name, shared mm, a minute about who you are. Mm. In fact, let's just, uh, you can open your eyes now, and let's just see what comes out. Why don't you turn to uh, one or two people near you, just as an exercise. And again, this is not a trick or a trap question. You can just be real and say, see what comes out. And uh, maybe in either one other person or two other people, could be a, a triad, just uh, talk for a um, minute, minute and a half each or so on, and say to somebody, say to the others, who are you? You just kind of share who you are, and I'll 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 tell you when it's when it's time to uh, to switch. We'll take about five minutes for this, okay? So, ready? Go. can finish up what you're sharing and come on back. Okay, so let's uh, come on back.
Okay, so, and uh, you might thank your friends and uh, come on back as a group. So let me, uh, let's find out. Uh, let's see if, Andrew? Great, thanks so much, yeah. Um, so who are you? What, what came up when you, uh, when you explored that? Anyone? You can take a few comments. I, I think a lot about this question as a teacher, with, as a social scientist, and we talk a lot about who we are. Uh-huh. And the question is really a very complicated one to answer because if yeah. you answer the question from a place of your experiences in life, you get a different answer. If you, get, if you answer the question from a place of the things you were given to you in life, which is your nationality, your language, your culture, your country, whatever, mm-hmm. that, that's also a different place you can answer it. If you answer the question from a place of hopes, the things you, you want to accomplish before you die, that's a different kind of identity. Right. Or you answer the questions in terms of your success and failures. Mm-hmm. So for me, I boil it down to something that's really, really simple that I share with everybody, regardless of experience, nationality, is that I'm consciousness, I'm energy, and I am here to figure out what life is about. And you, what was the last part? I, I'm, I'm here on this earth to figure out what this life is about. Mm-hmm. I think if I keep it, when I look at it that way, I think it, it's less complicated. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's actually the door is much more open mm-hmm. than if I say I am this person and mm-hmm. that person mm-hmm. and, and, and there are the boundaries. Mm-hmm. Don't cross them. Well said. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Other people, what, what comes up for you? Uh, Lisa. Well, yeah. first... Um, I really found that I like Kaylee over here who told me about who she is. But I have a thought about your question. I've gone through a lot of identity changes that are somewhat subtle, but to me a big deal and kind of painful. And lately um, I've been just, for whatever reason, becoming really aware of sort of my own subtle energy. And maybe it's my nervous system that... um, I find has a life of its own in spite of me mm. in terms of getting activated or relaxed. And I find that I can observe it, but I, I don't have a whole lot of say in it. And it's been um, really, I've really enjoyed just kind of being with that. And it's um, been an interesting study in relationships too and how in relationship you can have sort of a combined nervous system. And mm-hmm. Um, so just really very curious about that right now. It's been helpful. Mm, yeah, Great. So your, your body going through what it's going through is not really something that you can control or take ownership. Yeah, I think I, one real aha moment was when I was incredibly relaxed. It just came over me. And really what I realized was, gosh, this almost never happens. So it really more pointed out the tension most of the time just by having this moment of being really relaxed. And it also has to do with um, the emotions that are triggered by circumstances with, you know, with other people, um, activated anger or something that I don't want to be feeling, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just circumstances that are... Uh, not in your control, and 
emotions that, that get triggered there. Yeah, there's some amount of control, but it's very little. Um, very little. And very delayed, you know, mm -hmm. you know, oh, I don't want to be feeling angry or whatever. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Anyone else? Uh, Jim, over here. The, as we were doing this, the word that came to me was um, holographic, that there's something about each thing that this person would say, would share, it's like, oh, I've, I've, I've known her for a year or two. And each thing is like, oh, that's, I can see the whole person in there a little bit. Mm. You know, you, the, the flip side is the elephant story, that if you grab the tail or the leg or the trunk or the tusk, it's a completely different experience. But there's also something about, I'm just kind of wrestling with what this means exactly, but, but it felt like, as we were talking, each little piece was, was kind of a glimpse of the whole person somehow. Mm -hmm. So an, like an essence that seemed to shine through yeah. uh, in, in all the different facets. Yeah, yeah. or in essence, but even the, the complexity is in there. And all, it's not like the one essence that's shining through, but it's the, really the complexity. All the little pieces is all kind of contained mm -hmm. in there within that little anecdote or episode or one little phrase even kind of has the flavor of all the other pieces to mm. it somehow. Interesting. Okay. You're a hologram. Yeah. 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 Anyone else? Uh, all the way in, in the back. Raise your hand. Yeah. It's a great talk for me tonight because I got a lot of blame earlier this week and it made me question, um, you know, my identity a lot. You, what happened earlier? This I got a lot of blame. Blame. Uh -huh. Blame for something. And, mm. and I had been kind of coasting along thinking I was pretty hot stuff. And then I got this, <laughs> this blame. <laughs> um, but as I was talking to Susan, who's amazing, by the way, I was realizing at the end of her asking me who I was, I was describing the loving kindness practice I do. Mm. And I think that practice has really shown me who I really want to be and hopefully who I am mm. because it gets to the core of, of kindness to others and um, just having a compassionate spirit, which is ultimately, I think, what I want to be. Mm -hmm. how, so how would, you, how would you respond? Who are you? Yeah, just I, um, to, I'm kind of like what everyone else has said a little bit. You know, like what this gentleman was saying, essence and consciousness came up as well. Mm -hmm. So when you think of it in those terms, it's easier to handle the blame and mm -hmm. be like, okay, yeah, that's part of it. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. more importantly is the sense of intimacy you get from loving kindness practice mm -hmm. and understanding how everything is interrelated. And really, it doesn't make a difference. The blame, next week it'll be something else, right? Mm -hmm. the, the vicissitudes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm liking Great. the loving-kindness practice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Great. Any other comments that came up from that? One last one. Yeah, right, right up for you. Uh, just uh, <clears throat> experienced uh, talking about what I do versus talking about what's important to me and hearing that from, from the, the other two people I talked with also. And oh, hearing that from the other two people I talked to, mm -hmm. and um, just the, how that reveals different aspects. Inner, what I do is talking about out here, and what's important to me is more talking about in here. 
And uh, it's just interesting to see the connection between the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as Jonas was saying, so many different ways to answer that question and define ourselves. And without even realizing it, we, we do it. Uh, we hold ourselves a certain way, whether you think of it as gender or ethnic group or geographical or uh, your work, your skills, your accomplishments, or, or whatever story you tell about yourself. Oh, I'm, um, I'm an intellect, you know, I'm a failure, I'm someone who's very angry, I'm a, a, a lover of life, uh, I'm, uh, I put a few down here, I'm bad, I'm strong, I'm, I'm boring, I'm fascinating, I'm whatever, you know. The, the list is, is endless, and it depends also who you're with. You know, when you're with, when you're with your best friends, you're probably different than when you're with somebody who is, uh, is very daunting or inspiring or intimidating or whatever. There's a different part of you that comes out. This is not news to us, of course, but just to see how fluid and which of those can you point to and say, Oh, that's me. You can't really, can you? They're all expressions of you, but where can you point to and say, oh, that's who I really am? Particularly around the stories we tell ourselves about who we are, that's the one place that it can get a little bit even more fixed. I'm someone who has gone through a tragedy. And that can be your identity for the next 40 years of your life. I'm somebody who has made it through a tragedy. And that can be another, a useful identity, an empowering identity. I'm not saying all of this is... is is bad or should be shunned. You know, if we're going to tell story, we do tell stories about ourselves. We might as well tell inspiring stories to ourselves, not not necessarily to everybody around us, but but to hold ourselves in a way that oh, that's the uh, that brings out the best in us. Um, but to see through it. That it's, they're all just stories. Ultimately, they're all just stories. And the Buddha was very directly pointing to seeing through this self view, what in the teaching, teachings are, is called Sakaya Ditti. Sakaya Ditti. Kaya is body, and diti is view, and uh, sa, uh, the the um, um, what is sa, sakaya diti the 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 idea of who we are, and it's the first when when one if one is fortunate 
enough to have what is called a, an awakening experience. It is the first of 10 fetters, 10 obstacles, 10 confusing ways of getting, uh, uh, of causing suffering for ourselves. It's the first fetter to go, this belief in who we are. It doesn't mean that you don't get lost in the story, but you know that it's a story. It's a very big difference because if you're waiting to get to the point where you never get lost in your story, you could be waiting a while. But if you even get a glimpse of seeing, oh, that's just a story I'm making up about myself, that is a very useful and liberating understanding. So don't worry about never getting lost in your story, but just to start seeing through those beliefs and those ideas of how we define ourselves. This is what uh, the teachings are pointing to, the understanding of anatta, the selfless nature of reality, that we're not who we thought we were. The, the Satipatthana Sutta, the discourse on mindfulness, mindfulness of the body, mindfulness of, of breath and body and uh, different postures, mindfulness of our mind states, mindfulness of the feeling tone of experience. Uh, they're all about the deconstruction of self. That's the idea. It's just kind of picking apart this solidity of who we think we are to see one, you're not who you think you are, but two, that there is no place that you can point to and say, this is unchanging. This is the, uh, the fixed identity of who I am to whom life is happening. This, I am somebody to whom life is happening. And seeing through that and realizing I am an expression of life that is manifesting through this form. Now, you are a unique expression that is, has never been here before, which I think is healthy to be celebrated, to celebrate and understand your uniqueness, but not to the point where you are more special than anyone else. Can you say, oh, that snowflake is really special? Those fingerprints, wow! They are really special fingerprints. We can be all under delusion, can't we? That's the point, to break through the self-delusion and see, yes, you are special. Yes, you are unique. Yes, life has never manifested like this through you before, before you. And how amazing, emaho in the, the Tibetan, how amazing how to think that I am um, better than in some way. I am special, more special in some way. 
and I am somehow separate from this life that is just manifesting in infinite ways. So seeing through this, and there are times that we can, that I'm sure all of us have seen through this. One, besides your spiritual practice or life, one that that comes to my mind, uh, seeing at least through your identity of who you think you are, um, you ever go traveling by yourself to a place where nobody knows you? That is so fascinating. The first time I went traveling uh, by, by myself, and I it was in my 20s, and nobody knew me, and I thought, my goodness, I could be anyone. All of a sudden, it was like freedom that I'd never known before. I didn't have to be the son or the brother or the friend who knew me with that other friend because we are so we so pick up on our relationships as defining who we are what freedom to see oh i can be anyone that i it was the first time i started to find out who i really was oh i'm somebody that actually mm, likes adventure i never thought of myself like that before oh i'm somebody who maybe can take risks i never thought of that myself that way before. So it kind of expands the horizon. That's one example. In meditation, when the mind gets quieting down, if that should happen, or you touch a place of stillness, you touch a place of um, mm, Purity of heart. For me, the word purity has always been a, a compelling one where in, in certain times in, in the meditation where my persona falls away and it's just me and my breath and my mm, sense of wonder and my um, lack of trying to be anyone to anyone, where it's just life kind of knowing itself. In those moments, how many people know what I'm talking about? Yeah. See, we all know it. We, we all touch it. This is not something unique to me. And this is one of the real gifts of the meditation. In those quiet moments where you're not trying to impress anyone, where you're just alive, where you're just life feeling itself, how freeing that is, isn't it? How deeply connecting and liberating when you're not trying to be anyone That's when you touch who you really are. This is uh, from Nisargadat Maharaj, who uh, his dialogues in this brilliant book. If you had to take just a few books on a desert island, 
I am that would be one of them, where he says, uh, to be, to just be, is important. You need not ask anything nor do anything. Try to be. After all, you are what you are every moment of your life, but you're rarely conscious of it, except maybe at the point of awakening from sleep. All you need to be, all you need is to be aware of being, not as a verbal statement, but as an ever-present fact, the awareness that you are will open your eyes to what you are. It's very simple. Begin as a center of observation, deliberate cognizance, and grow into a center of love in action. I am is a tiny seed which will grow into a mighty tree quite naturally without a trace of effort. I am, you know, that's in the, in, uh, in the Ten Commandments, the I am that I am, which is another way of saying the kingdom of God is right in you. I am... Close your eyes for a moment. And rather than I am a man or a woman or young or old or whatever, just simplify it to I am. And relaxing, feel life as it manifests through this form called you. I am. You need to relax deeply, that's all, and not try to figure anything out. I am. I am life. This is from a Tibetan great um, teaching, The Flight of the Garuda, where he says, Let your mind spontaneously relax and rest. When left to itself, ordinary mind is fresh and naked. If observed, it is a vivid clarity without anything to see, a direct awareness, sharp and awake. It is not nothingness, since it is vividly clear and awake. It is not permanent, since it doesn't exist at all. It is not somewhere else, 
It is your own awareness itself. Never be separated from it, children of my heart. And all the stories of who we are, all of the experiences and um, events and relationships and things that go into our life and make up our story, the James story, the Andrew story, the your story, it's a story that's never been here before. And yet, at the very end of your life, there it is, just poof, the end, gone. But consciousness, it is said, doesn't go. Consciousness is, in some systems, thought to keep on taking form. But this story of James, that was an interesting movie. Okay. What a freeing way to play in your, at your life. You know? That then you can, it is the only show in town, but you can play at it instead of taking it so seriously. So I invite you as you, um, as you deepen your practice, as you, as you touch those moments beyond the story of me or what others think of me or what, I've, what I'm losing in my capacities as aging, illness, and death do their thing, or praise and blame. All of it is just the movie of, that we can enjoy, but seeing none of that is really you. It is just a, a, a fun movie to enjoy and to honor and to uh, do the best one can, but any kind of identity is going to be subject to change. So the game is to enjoy the ride. Just enjoy, how, how simple, just to enjoy as best we can, enjoy the ride. That means some of the ride won't be fun, but to keep on waking up to the ride because this is the ride that life is giving you. So you can either wish it were different or say, okay, like Rob in his ride, wow, what a trip this is. What a trip. Or Ram Dass, I'm no longer the golfer or the sports car driver, but there's something else that's coming through. And as Ramdas says, basically, his, his practice these days, for quite some time, his main practice 
and what he shares and wants others to know is um, I am loving awareness, like you were saying before about the kindness. I am loving awareness, or you were saying before about consciousness. And he's not just saying that he's loving awareness. You are loving awareness. We're all loving awareness if we can see through the stories, underneath the stories. It's just life expressing itself as you. So I'll, I'll end with this um, poem. That I've, I've probably read it here uh, a number of times before. But I love it. Uh, by Dana Falls. And it's called Awareness Knowing Itself. Settle in the here and now. Reach down into the center where the world is not spinning and drink this holy peace. Feel relief flood into every cell. Nothing to do. Nothing to be but what you are already. Nothing to receive but what flows effortlessly from the mystery into form. Nothing to run from or run toward. Just this breath. Awareness. Knowing itself as embodiment. Just this breath. Awareness. Waking up to truth. So enjoy the ride. And we can end with a short loving kindness. And now tuning in to your own being, life manifesting through you as you, and send some kind thoughts to this form. May it awaken fully and know its true nature. May I realize all the goodness that's been gifted to me and share my love well. May I see through my identities and self-views to understand who I truly am and open to freedom. And may our coming here together be of benefit to ourselves, everyone in our lives, and ripple out to be of benefit to all beings everywhere. May all beings know happiness and peace. So, 
Thank you very much for your attention. Have a really great week, and uh, see you next week. You come.